Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. Uh, I know that some in our audience don't know the finer points of hockey. You want me to dummy you again? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, as always, joined here by DJ Uncle Matt. A few things before we get into this very special episode. We're going to talk about Friday's game and last night's game. Um, Friday night, not our best night. Uh, Lost 6-1. Definitely one of our probably our worst games of the season, I would say. Um, It was... There's so much that went wrong with that game. I, I really feel a lot of it, though, was the officiating. Um, I feel that Matt can back me up on that. You know, being that you were on the bench, I mean, I was up top recording, but at the same time, just seeing those calls get handed out, just kind of willy-nilly, it seemed, uh, really just kind of put a hold on an actual game being played. Yeah, you don't expect that from professional hockey I don't think in the playoffs I think it's usually you know more of a situation where the refs kind of put away their whistles and allow the players to decide the game I think that's one of the biggest things in in pro sports you know in the in the playoffs you must let the players decide the game and I think on Saturday night they the referees the, pretty much the same crew did uh, just a lot better of a job at letting these guys play. It does look like Binghamton fans want tons of calls, and I think it was a great night for Binghamton fans because they, they seem to want a ton of calls. They want penalties on almost every little thing. I mean, I saw some uh, video. It had to be the stupidest video I've seen in a long time saying that Ojik had slew-footed uh, the guy who he laid a com- completely clean hit on, and uh, you know the guy fell to the ground, and he, he did uh, you know sustain a cut that uh, bloodied his face. Uh, you know, people write things on the internet all the time. Binghamton uh, notoriously takes the players notoriously take to Facebook to say that they won't play in, ever again in Danbury, and uh, that lasted all of about a week. Uh, so uh, again, just seems like par for the course for a city that really wants a lot of whistles blown during the games. And I mean, almost every video from their kind of fan media or whatever is about some missed call. So. I, you know, I, I'm sure they're still busy from cutting Friday night's game. But Saturday night, Danbury came back, and uh, it was a great, one of our most, uh, you know, something that Billy McCreary said to me uh, after the game was it was one of our most disciplined games. And I think that it was. There were hardly any stupid penalties, and I think that uh, by virtue of the refs uh, kind of backing off a little bit, uh, we saw a great game definitely for Danbury this time. I I you can't compare the two games at all. Friday night was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it was a lot of stopping, a lot of stopping and going and resetting, long pauses for these uh, these referee huddles that seemed to generate way more confusion and, uh, you know, skepticism, I guess you'd say. Uh, it, it just, it, it's not helping the league that, that these calls have to kind of, uh, you know, be debated over for so long but uh, I thought last night was a much better job much better and it seemed like the fans appreciated that it was a great night for Danbury and I think 
we're putting out this episode. This is a special episode, kind of. We want to let everybody know that it is a Monday night game, but it's one of the most important hockey games in Danbury in about, I mean, many years now. Many years. So I think that if you enjoy going to the games, if you plan on going to the game, bring a friend from work. Bring a friend who once in a while likes to go to. Get people down to the arena. We need help. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the ticket situation is or anything, but I, Pat and I think that it's, it's our responsibility to let people know this is going to be a big-time hockey game right here in Danbury. If you go out, if you listen to this podcast, call a friend. Um, just, just let people know that this is going to be it's a decisive game there's nothing like a decisive game and it's in our house everybody who came out last night I did see a lot of new faces but the new faces are welcome at times like this you know let's get everybody who cares about Danbury you know it's a, a tough time for Danbury we here at WXCI uh, you know we're, we're dealing with uh, rumors of budget cuts and whatnot going on in the state university system so we we want to get everybody to rally around Danbury on Monday night. So if you're hearing this on Sunday, if you're hearing this on Monday morning, tell a friend. Yes, please do. Um, really huge game. You know, tomorrow night, it, it's definitely going to be most likely the game of the season if we're really coming to that point. Um, you know, up until this point, it is the game of the season. Uh, but, you know, just to reiterate what Matt said, just tell your friends, tell your family to come on down enjoy a night of awesome playoff hockey and you know just have a blast essentially and you know with that being said here is our very amazing interview with bill mccreary as well as billy mccreary and isla yeah isla you know definitely gave some good insight to what's going on in the federal hockey league and around danbury arena so I, I, it was important that we had her here yes. but it was really also great to have um uh Billy McCreary Jr., who's Billy's dad, uh, on the show. This guy's been around the NHL pretty much his whole life and been around hockey, uh, you know. So it's it was great to have him on the show to share some stories. Um, you know, for fans who don't know, Billy's family is uh, just a legacy in pro hockey, you know, starting with, uh, you know, Billy's grandpa, which is Bill Jr.'s dad, and then, you know, a bunch of bunch of cousins and, and, and you know, uncles of Billy's that have played in, in, in the NHL and other pro leagues and it, it was you know really just amazing this was an interview that we Pat and I had always said that if there was an opportunity to have Mr. McCreary come in to the studio here at WXEI it would be great and uh, we he didn't disappoint at all it was an amazing interview just hearing stuff about pro hockey and, and, and his input he's the first NHL player we ever had on the show former NHL player um it was great to do it in person. So thanks so much to the McCreary family for, you know, accommodating us. Yes, and stay tuned for an amazing episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, as always, joined by DJ Uncle Matt in the studio. Today, we got some very, very special guests. We got the McCreary trio in the building, Mr. McCreary, Billy McCreary, and Isla McCreary. How we doing, folks? Doing awesome. Thank you. Good to be here. Awesome to be here. Appreciate you guys having us. The trifecta. We and the ladies are here too. Caitlin is here and Mrs. McCreary is here as well. Uh, great to have Billy Jr. and Billy Three on the show for the very first time. Uh, I have to check with our stack guy, but I believe uh, Mr. McCreary is the first former NHL player to come on Hattrick City. 
He is. He is, and he's definitely the first one to do anything like it in person. So it's really great to have you here. Um, this all evolved um, last night. Um, Pat and I and Billy and uh, Mr. McCrary were all sitting in Billy's office, and he just kind of started to tell us these stories that had Pat and I on the edge of our seats, like just great, like old hockey stuff. And we said we have to get we have to get you into the studio and kind of capsulize this because I'm sure every fan in the building would have liked to have heard, you know, stories about uh, your dad coming home and saying that Gordy House sticked him in the head and, <laughs> and, and all this stuff. So it, thank you for coming on. And it's nice to have you here knowing that you probably only have a limited amount of time to be with the family right now. So thanks. But uh, I don't even know where to start. I guess I guess where to start is a interesting tidbit that came out last night is that you were born not too far from here in Springfield, Mass. Yeah, Dad was with the Springfield Indians for years, and um, he's from a little town in kind of north-central Ontario, but he was playing uh, back in the Eddie Shore days with the Indians, and they enjoyed some really good years, won some cups. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'd go back to Ontario uh, for the summers, but... Spent uh, spent the seasons in Springfield. That's kind of interesting, especially um, the first thing that came to my mind when you said that is there was no Isla yet, but Billy was certainly here in 2019 when the Springfield Thunderbirds played that preseason game in the rink yeah. against Hartford. So it was nice how it kind of came full circle there, you know? It was pretty cool. The hockey world usually does. Yeah. So one thing that I wanted to kind of ask you is obviously you had um, – a lot of time being around your own father who played in the NHL for a while, worked for a number of organizations, kind of a builder of the league uh, to some to some degree. But one thing that jumped out was like, how did you how did you choose the college route? Like back in your day, was there like the junior thing still going on? Or yeah, certainly junior was still a, a prominent path, right, to pursue your your hockey career. But um, college was was coming along. And there were some really good players moving on to that college route. With Dad being with the Blues, Red Berenson was really probably the first top NHL player to come out of college. And we were good friends with the Berenson's family. So he was certainly an influence on that as well. Um, but it, it, it just, to me, was important to pursue my education, um, although I stumbled on that a little bit when I, when I went to Colgate. But <laughs> it was, Colgate was a, a wonderful wonderful avenue and and uh was very blessed to be there met my wife the best coach i ever had in all of my levels of hockey was terry slater of colgate university wow. and uh, just wonderful teammates it, it was a terrific terrific experience i guess from an aside from that just as a hockey geek you you must have played games at the clinton arena right um you know i may have but played in a lot of <laughs> well, the, at, at Colgate, where did you guys play? Yeah, we played. We played all over hockey. It was hockey East, and so you know we were all like over. your home rink, though. It was in Hamilton, New York. Hamilton, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I thought that Colgate kind of played in Clinton right there, which is that's kind of a famous rink in New York. They won the Hockeyville a few years ago. Like it's a. I thought. I thought. I, I maybe Hamilton plays Hamilton their games. College. Yeah, maybe Hamilton plays yeah. their games there. Yeah, that's interesting. So, but to, to backtrack a little bit, you just growing up around your dad and the. I guess the original days of the NHL were you I guess you were you were born and your dad was was involved when there were still only six teams, right? Yeah, dad uh, got into to the professional hockey ranks with the in the original six days and his brother Keith, my uncle um, as well, uh, another uncle Ron Atwell as as well and um, yeah, we have a fun hockey family. We've had some wonderful family hockey tournaments back up in Sundridge. 
uh, with some good stories there. But no, we heard some of those on a road trip recently. We heard about that in the softball tournaments. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. also supposedly brutal. <laughs> they can be absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, those tournaments with Dad and Uncle Ron and Uncle Keith and and all the cousins that have played. We we just had a blast up there. But just being around it for kind of so long. What what's your first memory of the NHL? Like, what's your first any even as a young type of dude yeah um i think my my early <laughs> my early favorite memories are from the st louis blues i was you know dad what was that 67 so i was seven years old yeah and that was the first expansion right yeah, yeah yeah and they they did well and they made it to the the stanley cup finals three i think three years in a row and the the st louis arena would just rock it was packed and we as kids it was an older team so there were a lot of kids on on the team my age and uh during the game we wouldn't be paying a lot of attention we'd be out playing ball hockey and stuff (laughs) tearing our dress clothes up but after the game the fans would just rain the ice rink with with coins and and money really in appreciation of the efforts of the players and so all of us kids would run out there and start collecting money and And the fans after goals would sing and you couldn't hear yourself think they would just be singing oh when the saints come marching in but they'd sing oh when the blues come marching in and it was just a neat place so was was st louis did you kind of spend your early years there we were there for five years roughly yeah wow yeah yeah. a lot of people don't know it's a great hockey town oh it's a beautiful town there's a great sports town but there's also like in the last hmm, 20 years a handful of guys that played in the nhl kind of out of st louis i mean Mm -hmm. pat maroon would be the first one who comes to mind but uh so after your dad left the blues what 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 was your kind of path you know yeah we you know and i i thought uh, at the time it was a blessing uh we moved around quite a bit he got into coaching went to denver in the central hockey league did really well there got called up to st louis coached the blues for a bit didn't do so well there um, he was released from St. Louis, and then uh, we went to Vancouver, we went to California, we went to Cleveland. Golden Seals, right? Yeah, old, yeah, yeah, the old California Golden Seals, yeah. the white skates and, and all of that. So the for, white skates. Yeah, skates. yeah, yeah. For me as a kid, you know, it was beautiful places. Yeah. yeah. How old were you, when, like, about then when he was with California? I was a freshman um, the first year in high school, and then I moved – um, back to Ontario to stay with family to pay, play junior in Ontario because the hockey at that time in California of was course. just starting to get going. So Yeah, that was kind of something that I wanted to ask you was like you managed to make it to the NHL while your dad was doing a fair bit of hopping around. How did you kind of stay focused in on hockey with all the moves and stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, anybody that has a passion for, for no matter what it is, right, whether it's hockey or any sport or, or arts or music, you have that passion and that's your focus right so i wasn't watching really so much what dad was doing where he was i was just doing my thing and uh certainly they offered wonderful support in my journey and yeah yeah but uh didn't get caught up in any of the external stuff just was on on my route so back in those days you you we already talked a little bit about your college career, but back in those days, you made the jump right to the NHL, huh? Yeah, you know, and in, in hindsight, as we go through life, we try and make our best decisions. Um, as I had alluded to earlier, I got into some academic trouble, um, went went home, went uh, started playing junior again, got back into school and, and had really good grades. 
I had been drafted by the Maple Leafs the year prior, and they offered me a contract to turn pro, and certainly I was excited to jump on that. In hindsight, I would have, would have loved to have gone back to Colgate for two more years. That was my sophomore year when I left. Um, I think certainly long-term it would have been better to, to go back to Colgate, but love the opportunity to jump in with the Leafs. I guess this is, might be a weird question, but did, how did it feel getting drafted by the Leafs when you had had allegiances to so many teams as a, as a kid and as a member of the league, as a family member of the league, you know? Yeah, and we have uh, a ton of family in Ontario, in Brampton, around Toronto, up in Sundridge, all over Ontario. So it was a thrill. You know, it, back then it wasn't like it is today where it's all publicized and televised. And um, so I just got a phone call the, nec the next day that, hey, you went to Toronto in the sixth round. And wow. That was cool. A six-rounder, and then you played in the NHL the very next season, huh? I did. Yeah, I did. I did. Got some games in with Toronto, played in Moncton with the American League affiliate mostly. Uh, 60 games, I think, in, in uh, Moncton and had a dozen or so with Toronto. Did you see a different side of the league once you started playing in it? Like, was there some was there some things that maybe you'd always wondered about that you didn't get from your dad or you didn't get from maybe the other guys in the league you were friendly with? You know, it isn't so much that I didn't get something. Certainly the opportunity was there. I was a pretty immature kid. My wife will verify that. <laughs> and you managed to go to a pretty good college, though, too, right? Yeah, Colgate's like a tough one. I did, yeah. I, uh, I, I overachieved there. But. Like two years at Colgate is like four years here at Westcon. Like it's like totally the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I got four years out of Colgate in, in a semester and a half or whatever my sophomore year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah. Just as what was your impressions of the league in those days, and and when you watch today, what are the differences that you see? Yeah, oh, it's it's night and day. You know, it's the league had evolved nicely from when my dad played. Um, when I came into it, it, it you know today athletes are, are world class athletes. They're training year round, and it wasn't that way when I came into the league and uh, I was blessed to be with some some great teammates with the Daryl Sittlers and Ronnie Ellis and Borea Salmings and some class class guys um, but there 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 really wasn't any help in the transition from a college kid playing you know 20 games a season to a professional playing 85 games a season and that was really tough you know and certainly the management of it all right instead of having the disciplines of getting up and going to class and and being a student to being a guy with some money in your pocket and you have to go to practice and that's it for <laughs> for the day something i want to ask you though because it's you know having played in the NHL and then gone down to the minors for a while and then obviously seeing Billy go through his own career. When you got when you got sent to the minor leagues back in the day, was there that sense that, like, all right, I'm going to actually develop down here or was it just kind of purgatory, you know? Yeah, it was a little of both. Um, you know, I, I touched on that Terry Slater was my best coach ever. Uh, even at the NHL level, no disrespect to any of those coaches from that era, the they weren't teachers you know they they were coaches they were whistleblowers they were motivators but they weren't teachers and and today billy does an awesome job teaching oh yeah and and beyond the wins and losses the coaches today like billy care about the individual they're not they're not just they're not just a number on a roster right they're people and and there's a true commitment to helping that person achieve success in life and in hockey
Well, something I wanted to ask you is obviously one of the most infamous moments in, in the history of the NHL. And I've, I've literally seen like this clip set to rap music and stuff like that over, <laughs> over the years. It's just been amazing. Could you tell us, you know, it's it's probably the only time uh, some of the listeners know. And then there's probably listeners that don't know is uh, Mr. McCrary delivered probably the hardest hit on Wayne Gretzky in the history of the NHL uh, that I can recall. Um, and you told us kind of a funny story about like going back to the bench and stuff last night. Would you share that with the? Yeah, it was late in the game. Probably fortunate for me. So Dave Semenko uh, never had an opportunity to catch up to me during the game. But yeah, um, you know, it was just a play where I was back checking. Wayne got caught with his head down, and and it was a head-on collision. Um, and and yeah, it, it did a little damage to him. Thankfully, nothing long term or of significant issue. But um, it was it was a good hit. If if it wasn't Wayne Gretzky, it would have just been another big hit, right? It, but because it was Wayne, it was it was a big. It still is a big deal to this day. This is one of those things that because of the YouTube era and because of how things have become so um, punctuated, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions and I. No, one thing I did want to ask you, did you get back in the game? Because a lot of people, you yeah. didn't, no. Not that game. Yeah, it was yeah. late in the game, and the coach took me off the ice, probably for my own, for my right, own benefit. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, I didn't get back on the ice that game. But you continued to play for the Leafs for a little while. For a little bit, yeah. yeah. And, you know, as we had touched on, there was a change in regime, and uh, – the, the the new staff brought in some of their guys and and the borderline guys like me at that time being a rookie were 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 moved on so so then you you kind of went to the minor leagues and the old international league when it was a really high level league we talked about it last night there just were only so many jobs yeah. in in professional hockey in those days what what was it like going down there and what kind of success did you have because I don't you know nowadays like these sites don't really talk about like what the seasons were like as much you know Sure sure No I I love my time um at all in in all the leagues the American League was was terrific it was a tough league uh it, when I was in Moncton the Maine Mariners were Philadelphia's farm team Philadelphia was a really tough organization yeah, back then Yeah great town to play in too Yeah oh absolutely beautiful um so that league was was more physical the Central League was uh, was a lot of Southern teams, and it was a, a more skilled, more casual really? kind, kind of game. Yeah, and the I in my early years, you know, still was a pretty rugged league. had had that reputation, but when the Central League folded and all those players came into the I, it certainly brought the skill level up significantly. Um, but I, we were blessed to be in Milwaukee for five years, which is a beautiful city and great ownership, great coaching, and and uh, teammates. We had a blast. We were in Milwaukee for five years. How, like, as did you? go far in the playoffs and stuff as a pro we had uh actually i was telling billy we my best run in the playoffs was my first year in moncton wow we were in the semifinals, game seven on the road overtime, and a little dump in from center ice beat beat us and uh <laughs> wow and and Moncton actually went on to win it the next year, which was fun because some of my teammates from my year there were were still 
participating that next year when they won it. So that was cool to see. Something that really stood out to me last night when we were just kind of uh, basically everyone that's in the room now was in Billy's office kind of privately was that you you just seemed so charged up after the game. Like you really got a good kick out of the game last night. Could you tell us what you saw and how it played out in your mind? You know? Yeah, and, and I think you felt that, that, same, uh, yeah. that same feeling from everybody after that game. That was just a phenomenal playoff game, right? It was great speed, great energy, lots of physicality. There were momentum swings both ways. Danbury went up by a couple, and Binghamton pushed back and got one, and it was just a classic, classic hockey game. Do, do you watch the NHL like that? Are you big with the NHL playoffs and stuff? I, I know Billy likes to watch. Yeah, I love any sport come playoff time, even you know sports that I'm not a huge fan of because yeah. the stakes are just so much higher, right? And the energy and the tempo is so much more significant. Uh, but, yeah, I've been watching the Edmonton series, the Toronto series, and, yeah, there's been some good hockey. Billy told me, I think, I'm not 100 you were coaching high school for a long time? Yeah, when I retired in 88 and we moved to the, the Michigan, Brighton area, I got into coaching right away, was was coaching Billy all the way up through Midget until he went away to prep school. And then uh, I had coached some high school early on in those years, and then I got back into high school after Billy moved on. So, yeah, I, th actually this past winter was my first winter in 30-some years not coaching. Did you miss it at all? Or? You know, I feel bad I didn't. It, wow. <laughs> I'm I'm getting old, Matt, and, yeah, and yeah. The, the Michigan winters combined with going to the rink every day, you know, it, it adds up on this old body. So I, we did, Marianne and I did some fun traveling, went to Mexico for a while, oh, went to go. Savannah, Georgia for a while, got to come out here a bit. Another nice town, Savannah, beautiful, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No. beautiful. But, um, so, you know, uh, I... I think that was great. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's really nice to have you in the studio, and but I, you know, just to share um, that one story, just to backtrack and share that one story that you told us last night about your dad coming home with the like the cut on his oh, head. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was after a game. Yeah, it was in Detroit, and uh, he got. He got home uh, late that night. Playing with the Blues? He was playing with the St. Louis Blues. And, and Dad, at that point, when Dad was younger, he was a scorer. He was an offensive player. That type of guy. And, yeah, and a threat. He was good. And, uh, and at that point in his career, in his 30s, he was winding down, and he became more of a defensive specialist. So he, his job was to shadow and shut down the Bobby Halls and the Gordy Howes and yeah, so he came home with a big zipper down his forehead. And <laughs> <laughs> what happened, Dad? Well, Gordy gave me an elbow. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. amazing. Old old time hockey. Yeah, you know, you just go back to the the hit on Gretzky in that era. That was a nice clean hit, right? Yeah. In yeah. today's day, it, there would have been suspensions handed out. What do you just? What do you feel about that? I mean, I I guess there's a big movement today to try and limit injuries and yep. stuff like that but but I, I you know we had one hit this year and uh you know the guy said he might never play in Danbury again certain guy right and I mean he, he was fine you yeah. know what I mean the next week he's fine he plays all I'm not saying he's not playing with injury now but how, how yeah. do you feel about the kind of the softening of the game well I, I I love a couple of things about it one is certainly the European influence brought an emphasis to skill right and the finesse side of the game, which is just beautiful. When you see plays out there that are made today at the speed they're executed, it's incredible. Um, 
so taking away some of the physicality and some of those players that that were just you know the bruising type players yeah. the enforcers they, they don't have roster spots anymore you have to be able to play the game um, which i think has made our game better it, it is a fine line right i'm a supporter of of uh the health and wellness of the athletes right number one um but there are times where it just seems like there's it's being called too tight right yeah it's, wow. but billy you know he may have shared with you he experienced post-concussion issues and health issues um because of of what he went through and and you just hate to see that for anybody yeah definitely the way the game is evolving so many more people getting involved and now um they're even talking about implementing checking for girls hockey mm-hmm. i love it yeah, I love it. you think it would be good? Yeah, and I, I don't like that uh, for for kids hockey today th- that you don't check until Bantam. You know, I, I, there's no reason that they can't have some physicality to the game at younger ages so they learn it and learn learn to be prepared for it and how to defend it. and Do it safely, I guess. Exactly, too. responsibly. Yeah. At appropriate times, yeah. you know. Wow. Yeah, and it goes back to coaching too, right? There's, there's still hard-nosed coaches out there that just want to overemphasize the physicality of the game and pound, pound, pound the opponent. And you, you just hope that coaches emphasize the intent of a body check is to separate the player from the puck, not to, not to injure him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then I wanted to ask, you know, what has it been like? What, how do you feel as a dad just watching, you know, your son go through his playing days, winning a cup, and then, you know, being on his coaching terms now and then trying to do sure. the same thing. Sure, yeah, it, it's been a blast. Um, Billy's always been an excellent competitor, um, a lot like me at a young age, very focused on the passion for the game um, and, and pursuing competing at higher levels. And from his days at Shattuck, they won a championship and onto the SB, he won a championship and in the Fed, he won a championship, all his players. And um, I, I love his growth as a coach. It, it, to me, it's it's incredible the commitment he brings to a player when he signs him to his roster. It, he's not just a number. It's it's not just show me what you can do and you better do it quickly or I'm going to be moving on from you. He's trying to groom players and, and he's excited to move them to the next level. And, and I think a lot of it is from he has a real love for family, right, and and for the people, and, and that carries into his coaching. I Before we let you go, last kind of serious question, though. You know, there's just so much chit chat and all this stuff on Facebook, and and you know from the level that Pat and I is, I mean we're almost like volunteers for the team in in, in some regards, like you know put out the show and fill the water bottles when I have to. But you know you're the first former NHL player that we've ever had on the show, and I want to ask you to give us an honest assessment. What do you think of the league, the Federal League? Like, but in your in your most you know in your most honest terms. Yeah, I think that. Um parity would be healthy you know you hope those bottom teams continue to work on and building better rosters and becoming more competitive that was one of my concerns for for Danbury coming into this series is they had such a nice run through the end of the season and the first round of playoffs um but you know the competition 
wasn't the top top teams. So you just wonder, are they going to be prepared for a Binghamton series where Binghamton's played very well? You know, I think they won our last 15 games all year, and, wow. and they're a solid squad. So, um, yeah, I hope the Fed gets more parity. I would love to see more consistent officiating. You know, the, the game Friday night in bingo, I, I, I don't understand the five-minute majors that were handed out. Certainly, again, you want to protect the players and the athletes, yeah. but... I hope the officiating can step it up a notch. The, like I said to you last night, that game was a, as exciting a game with speed and physicality. It was a, as exciting a game as you'll see anywhere. And I think that that was made the difference. I think, and I, I think I even said this to Pat on the ride home. I might even said it to Coach that that was just such a stop and go game on Friday night. Yeah. It seemed like we were always stopping. We were always stopping. Yeah. yeah. Like when we played against Elmira. Um, it was like sensory overload on the bench, like broken sticks, uh, you know, like th- different things happen. Smelling salt, uh, uh, edges. Nobody lost their edge Friday night, but we were just stopping, <laughs> starting, stopping, starting. And I, I think that hurts the game. And I, yeah. you know, I, I, I think somebody like you could probably agree. It's a play- playoffs. You got to let these guys play it out. You know what I mean? Like that's what happened last night, right? Yeah, the referees that's what kind of put their whistles away. There was a lot of stuff they could have called that they didn't, and I love that. It, it wasn't dangerous stuff, you right? Know, it wasn't something that needed to be called. It Was borderline stuff. Absolutely, let that, them play, and that they, that would have set the game. You know, I think they did a great job. We were at uh, Port Huron a couple of weekends ago for that series, and that last game in Port Huron, holy cow! It, there's times, and you guys see it, where yeah. there's there's an incident right that is is somewhat significant fight scrums whatever and it takes the referees five minutes to figure out what they're going to call right it it never seems like there's a chief in the crew that's going to kind of make a quick decision that's based on logic and based on uh you know um precedent or something like that sure precedent what's the precedent for this oh well a couple weeks ago we gave this guy a five for the same thing all right it's five you know what i mean it just never seems like they're dealing with precedent consistently and and stuff like that i'm i'm not a good one to talk about officiating because dad (laughs) dad struggled with officiating was he brutal oh yeah and when he he was in the family yeah yeah when he was between jobs and i was playing junior he jumped on the bench with us (laughs) for one game and and he challenged the refs he threw sticks on the ice he was tossing water bottles (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh oh i don't know five six seven eight years ago coaching high school i got him to help me out a little bit which was a blast that's awesome but he was older had higher blood pressure and and uh that's not good (laughs) yeah no and that's when their doctor said you got to get out of coaching you can't it's bad for your health but uh, we had a scrum in front of our bench, and one of their big players had bent one of our smaller players over the boards and was giving the business to him a little bit. And Dad was right there, and he grabbed the other player's face mask, and he pulled it in. He said, let our guy go. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Dad, let him go. <laughs> let him you, go. <laughs> you spent so, you know, I, I, you spent so much of your life in, in pro hockey from a kid up until... I guess whatever year you retired, say you were in your late 20s? Yeah, 88 I retired. So, but what I wanted to ask you was you never had that uh, interest or kind of ambition to go into the business side of hockey or? You know, I I had thought about it, but I think I moved around so much as a a youngster that I was just ready to try and settle down somewhere, right? And even as a player, I was... I bounced around, so I was ready to settle down a little bit, and, and professional coaching isn't a good way to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, 
it, it's really been great having you on the show and 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 the this is probably one of the best interviews, yeah. probably one of the best shows we had. But maybe we should ask Billy a question. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I actually did want to – I wanted to I, ask him. I've got to go. Uh, 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 uh. We should ask Isla some stuff. Isla, tell us something. <laughs> she was laughing She was laughing hardest when um, Mr. McCurry said that the Fed might see some parody soon. <laughs> yeah. She's heard me talk a lot behind the scenes, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, I wanted to ask you, you know, I I think Mommy, last Mommy. season I ended up asking you this, but, you know, you said that Wayne was your favorite player growing up, and then obviously, you know, your dad laid the hit on him. I mean, you know, growing up, having that knowledge, what was what was that kind of like, you know, going to school and then being like, you know, my dad did that? That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, kids always ask me about it, and, you know, you'd see it on the, the highlight tapes and the Don Cherry videos and all that stuff. So, you know, certainly it was uh, – it's neat to know that my dad was involved in that moment in time and um you know but at the end of the day Gretzky was my favorite player I love watching him he's so dynamic and you know really just taught me that uh that the game is the game and no matter who you are you know everybody's susceptible to some physicality out there and you got to keep your head up and play the game hard and play it the right way I know it's probably a you know you guys have done some stuff together some coaching stuff over the years when do you think like I'm sure you did it when you were real young and then at different ages, but when do you think you kind of learned the most when you were working with your dad? Oh, I, I don't know if I could pick a point in time. I mean, he coached me pretty much my whole life up until I went to Shattuck and, you know, learned a lot of valuable lessons there on and off the ice, you know, about grades and, you know, focus on focus on school and taking care of what you got to take care of there and, um, you know, having the opportunity to, to, to coach with him, you know, was obviously pretty special, and we were able to work with some really high-level kids and some great families, and and travel the world while doing it. So, you know, just to have his his support there, and to be able to travel as a family, and you know, some of those kids are going to go on to, uh, some of them are in the NHL right now, or or will be here shortly. So, you know, again, good group, good memories, and you know, all, like my dad alluded to earlier, just all about the family and the growth of the family and growing the game as well that that thing you were telling us that you guys literally coached in italy and in different places right like yeah we were in balzano italy and um i forget in sweden Chamonix, france yeah we're in sweden we we're in finland Chamonix. yeah you want to go yeah she's probably getting ready <laughs> <laughs> she's been pretty good no she's been great yeah yeah, so it's, you know, it's been great traveling the world and, and being able to do that with, you know, the, the guy that I look up to the most, and, uh, yeah, it's been fun. That's awesome. I guess we'll conclude today's episode. Guys, thank you so much Very for special in. episode Very of Hattrick City. Thanks so much, guys. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, guys. We wanted to spend, you know, a little time asking one of Dan Barry Arena's most frequent visitors questions, so it's great to have Isla McCreary here with us. Uh, she's at every game. She's one of the most popular fans in the arena. Daughter of Danbury Hattrick's head coach, Billy McCreary, Isla McCreary. Isla, how you doing? Isla, do you think the referees did a good job up in Binghamton on Friday night with all the penalties and the general confusion throughout the game? Um, no. Isla, we want to get your input on this. You know, do you think Binghamton has the grit to match the Hattricks? Isla, do you think there's any other fan base in pro hockey that matches the passion and flame that the Danbury fans have? No. Tell us. 
you're at the rink all the time. One thing we wanted to ask you about is, do you like the new kiosk system for ordering beers and snacks at the arena? No. And then Isla, to close this out, do you have any messages you want to send to the hat tricks going into this Monday night game? Fans, we want to thank you all for joining us for today's very special episode. And we also want to highlight the fact that this is our 25th episode. 25. It, it's pretty huge for us, you know. So we thank all the listeners for sticking with us through this season, you know, our first season of doing this. Um, and then, you know, also all the players and Players staff. for sure. And uh, definitely Billy, who's got behind us on this one. And just, you know, he, he made sure that we were – we're treated like members of the media and we're, we're given access to the players. So that's unbelievable. And I also like to thank Herm who's been a big supporter yes. of the show and he's wanted us, uh, wanted us to be successful with this, but I really have to thank all the listeners, Ron Evans, Lee, uh, Dom Alessandro, Rissick, um, Ron Rogel, Alex, everybody who listens, you're, you're just all great. Roger Katz, a longtime Danbury guy. I know he's listening to the shows. Irish Schwartz, uh, just all of you people have meant so much to us and anybody that supports this show it means a lot again we don't get paid for it or anything like that but just to hear that people are enjoying this and feel like they're getting more access to the team uh, it's really humbling it really is it you know we, we've said this a million times we'll keep saying it and we just felt that it was you know our our, our duty as Hattrick City citizens to you know deliver this kind of you know information and type of show to you guys the fans um considering there's not much local media coverage of it anyway but we're glad that we can fill that void and fill it in the most fun and entertaining way possible um again make sure to come out to monday night we need everybody from danbury out there if you like sports if you care about danbury just a little uh obviously we want all the hockey fans down there but this is a night for danbury you know there's you know there's a lot going on probably in the media and around town and there's there's uh definitely some uh maybe some dark clouds around the city but right right this second you know we have a great opportunity to help these guys as fans get to the next round we did it saturday night and we could do it again and 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 we could definitely uh just pull the rest of the teams in this league right along with us and that's what we've done so it'd be great to it'd be great to see everybody who can make it down at the rink for a seven o'clock start on monday night danbury arena binghamton black bears your danbury hat tricks no, it really is everybody's city and everybody who listens to this team. We're all part of a family. We're all part of a community. Uh, so it's it's just great to have all the support. Again, thank you guys for listening. We hope to see you there tomorrow night. Once again, 7 o'clock p.m. puck drop for game three of the semifinals against the Binghamton Black Bears. Thank you. I've been DJ Pattycake. DJ Uncle Matt, thanks so much for everything. We, we really appreciate all the listeners and everybody involved with the Hattricks organization. Thank you all.